I'm going to read some verses and we're we're carrying on our series looking at the heart of Jesus. And uh, if you've got a Bible, we're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37. And Jesus says, whoever loves father or mother more than me, he's not worthy of me. Whoever loves son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will... Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I want to be honest, every time I've read these verses, I, I don't always think I've really understood them very well. Even when I came to look at them this week and thinking this is what I'm looking at, I suddenly feel really heavy <laughs> and I feel like I'm kind of kind of almost becoming introspectively re-evaluating my life, which can be a powerful thing to re-evaluate your life. But often I've come to these verses, whoever loves his father or mother or whoever loves his life or whoever finds his life will lose it and ever loses his life for my sake will find it. I've often kind of had a guilty re-evaluation, kind of introspectively looking and evaluating, a kind of harsh judgment where you begin to look at your life and think, do I love that more than you, Jesus? Do I love this more than Amen. you, Jesus? Do I love that more than you, Jesus? Amen. I don't think that's the heart of these verses. I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at. I don't think Jesus in any way uses shame to motivate us to radical love. Shame is an identity thing where you think, I am not worthy of love and belonging. I don't think Jesus uses shame to get us to reevaluate our priorities. I don't think Jesus uses guilt to get us to reevaluate our priorities. Romans 8 tells us there's no condemnation in God for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't think Jesus' motivation in these verses is for us to go on our own and somehow struggle. If you, if you seem like a crowbar, to crow, somehow crowbar Jesus into number one in our life. You know, you could preach it that way, couldn't you? What do you love more than Jesus? What's more important to you than Jesus? What do you need to get rid of? I don't think that's the heart of Jesus. He's not about crowbarring him into number one. I don't think there's any place in the gospel for wrestling and struggling hard to come to a place of loving Jesus above all things. I, don't, I think it can preach well and you can leave here and think, yeah, I'm going to love you more than anything and, and then find ourselves a few days later back where we were, something else being more important than Jesus. I don't think that's the heart of Jesus. Um, this series is uh, based on a book called Gentle and Lowly and in the chapter that I'm looking at he refers to a preach from the famous pastor thinker Jonathan Edwards when he was doing a Sunday school sermon and he was there to motivate the children really to love Jesus more than anything else 
and the approach of Jonathan Edwards and I think the Bible's approach to um, the ordering of things in our heart is always to be ruined by an experience of love. And that's how Jesus motivates us. Jesus always motivates us by drawing us in. It's always the way that radical obedience is ignited. He woos us with his love. Like the woman caught in the very act of, of adultery. Who's going to condemn you? Who's going to throw the first stone? And then it, the, the only innocent one there, the only perfect one there, writing in the sand says, neither do I condemn you, now go and sin no more. She's ruined by a radical encounter with love. The woman who's at the well, and she's been rejected, you know, five times, and the person she's living with now, she's not married to, Jesus tells her everything about who she is, and she, she, she tastes and sees eternal living water, and goes away, all her shame is broken off, all her guilt is broken off, runs back to the village and says, I met a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Jesus totally transforms her life through an encounter with love and wooing and kindness. How does Jesus touch our lives? He wants to ruin us for anything else. That's how he wants to touch and change our lives. Jesus wants all of our priorities, everything we say yes to, everything we say no to, to be rooted in the fact that we are deeply, radically, wonderfully, unconditionally loved by God. Amen. That's the only way the believer can radiate life. Otherwise we walk around like miseries, yeah, I love Jesus more than father or mother. I love Jesus more than anything. I'm picking up my cross. Do you want to pick up your cross with me? <laughs> Come to church and you can meet a load of other people who are burdened picking up their cross. And <laughs> we all put Jesus above everything. We're really miserable though. <laughs> but come and join us in our misery. <laughs> now the only way we radiate life is by our yes being rooted in Love. Amen. He wants to woo us and draw us and captivate us and overwhelm us with love. So that when we walk around, we know who we are. We're the beloved and we're loved. We've got access to God. We're friends with the King of glory. He knows me. He loves me. In 1995, I was invited by David Pike to go to France to make a video and I was absolutely terrified about going to France. I mean, really, really scared. I'd not been abroad since I was 11 years old when I'd had a day trip to Calais. And uh, the idea of going to France and getting there and not being able to speak the language and where would I stay, I was overwhelmed with fear. And I said to David, David, I don't think I can go to France. I'm really busy. Basically, I lied. I wasn't busy at all. I was frightened and I lied so that I wouldn't have to go. And David, you've seen him, you've met him, he's, he's come here before. A gentle man said to me, I think you need to go, Jamie. And I thought, if you say it, I'm going to go. But I'm still really, really frightened. 
Six months later, I want to go to Paris. There's no fear. I'm going to the bus and buying my bus and hovercraft ticket. I'm going to get there. I'm not worried at all. I can't wait to go there. I have a video collection. I sell it to buy my ticket because I'm going to Paris. Why was I not fearful? Why did I not care about my CD, DVD? Well, DVDs went out there. Video <laughs> collection because I'd fallen in love with Rochelle the first time when I was in France making that video that I was terrified and didn't want to go to. Fear. Wow, fear. That's a, that's a message in itself, what fear will do to us if we obey it. But more powerful than fear, perfect love casts out all fear. Was the thought, I want to, get, I want to meet Rochelle, I want, to, I want to go to Paris, I'm not frightened. This is more important than anything. This is more exciting than anything. It's what love will do. That's what love will do. You see, the love of a, of a parent, the love of a carer, the love of a friend, the love of a husband or wife, the love of children, all these things are a shadow of the love that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has for us. They're just shadows, they're pictures, they're illustrations, they're pointers to the kind of relationship that you and I are invited into with the Lord Jesus. They're just pictures. They're just wonderful gifts from God to tell us about the Trinity and the, the love of the Father for the Son and the love of the Son for the Spirit and the Spirit loving the Father and the Holy Spirit wanting to glorify the Son. They love one another. People, theologians, talk about the dance of the Trinity, honouring community and loving one another. And we're drawn into that kind of relationship and human relationships are beautiful, but they're just a pointer. So in other words, Jesus said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. It's not a condemnation. It's not a shame. It's not a guilt trip. It's not a crowbar, get your orders and priorities right. It's that you haven't, you, you haven't understood that those were all pointing to the superior relationship that a human being can have with God, <laughs> that's what's on offer. It could be said like this, that human love is like a candle. It's got some warmth, it's got some light, it can illuminate. The love of Jesus is like the sun. And even that is a weak illustration because his love is infinite and even the sun is finite. The love of people is like a candle. The love of Jesus is like the sun. See, people can be kind. People can be gracious. People can be merciful. People can be compassionate and kind and loving. But Jesus exceeds all of those Amen. things because he's the source of all of them in utter, complete, absolute perfection. So if we want to embrace the last part of this verse, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If we want to surrender, if we want to bow the knee, if we want to yield, 
we have to experience the loveliness of God, the loveliness of the Trinity, the beauty of Jesus and the beauty of his love towards us. Love is the most, love as the motivation for all of our obedience is the purest motivation for everything. Paul says in Corinthians, you know, you could give everything you've got tomorrow to the poor. Everything. Imagine everything. Your house, your everything. You could sell it all. And but if it's not based on love, it's, it's nothing. You, you could say, I'm going to be martyred. I'm going to let myself be martyred. But if it's not for love, it's, it's nothing. It's worthless. It's a clanging gong. It's hollow. It's empty. We can have the most radical external obedience. You can do the most radical things, but not out of love. Because you've been ruined by love. The love of Jesus. And it's nothing. So if we want to yield and bow and surrender, our greatest need is to see the beauty and the love of God. Even, even awe of God, as beautiful as awe of God and the, the right fear of God, these are wonderful things. It won't do what an encounter with love will do. So you have to know it in an experiential way. It's more than just, I know intellectually that I'm loved. I feel it. Amen. I feel it in my guts. I'm loved. It's not just an academic thing of I know God is good. I know he's good and it's in my belly. His goodness is towards me. I know that he loves me. I'm experiencing who he is for me and I'm experiencing that on a daily basis. I know how he feels about me. Mm. Talking to myself as well. Jamie, do you know what he feels about you? Amen. Do you know the kind of passion in the heart of Jesus for you? Do you know the kind of passion that gets him spinning and dancing and shouting and whooping and loving and can't wait for you to wake up? The kind of joy he feels. She's awake! He's awake, it's another day with them. And we wake up feeling, oh. <laughs> didn't do too well yesterday. Might be impressed if I get through a couple of chapters, that might do it. Might ignite something. Oh, reading the Bible with the one who loves you. Waking up and knowing his mercy is new every morning. He can't wait to get going. To feel the love of God. To feel it in your bones. <laughs> to feel it in your gut. To know that everything's got meaning because I'm loved. Amen. To know you're seated with him in heavenly places and you can't get any higher if you tried. You feel his welcome, his open arms. His joy, his pleasure. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It's his heart 
that loosens our grip. He says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You love me like that. Our grip, our grip on stuff, our grip on things, our grip on success, our grip on achievement, our grip on our, our, the things that we do to cover ourselves so we feel better about ourselves. His love loosens our grip. He's, he woos us and draws us and loves us until our hands open. Until his love so comes deeply, we say, I love you more than anything, Lord Jesus. I love you more than my mom, my dad. I love you more than everybody in my family. I love you more than my job. I love you more than my dreams. I love you more than the future ideas I've got. I love you more. I'm willing, Jesus, by your power to pick up whatever the cross is today because I love you more. I don't want to be anywhere else than where you are. I want to be near you. My resilience, my perseverance is rooted in passionate love. It's I don't want to go anywhere else, Jesus. I'm, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to pick it up. I'm willing to lose it. I'm willing to lose my life for your sake so that I'll find it. And suddenly, I've got... We're doing steps, some of us. And there's this phrase in steps that just came alive to me like in a really, really beautiful way. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Serenity, tranquility, calmness, inner peace, the relinquishing of striving and control, perfectionism and shame and walking just who you are with this, imagine a lake that's beautiful and clean and clear and and there's no ripples, and when there is a ripple, imagine the life where you say, I'm not going to hold on to it, I'm not going to try and work it out, I'm not going to try and control it, I'm accepting the things I cannot change. Mm. I'm surrendered, I'm yielded, I'm bowing, because your love has done it. When we experience his love, it abolishes, it abolishes resistance, opposition, it opens our hands, suddenly it's a pleasure, and an absolute delight to love Jesus above all things. Just imagine us in the office and there's politics and there's gossip and there's people posturing for positions and you don't even care anymore because you're thinking, I love Jesus. I don't care whether I'm promoted or seen or acknowledged. I'm just going to love and serve everyone around me. If I get put down, I might have to say some feedback and say something, but I'm not going to be crippled or ruined by it. Why? Because I love Jesus above all things, and he's got my back and he's got my reputation. And as I'm saying, it sounds like a beautiful dream. I think, well, I want to be that kind of man, Jesus. I want to be that kind of person. I want to have that kind of freedom and liberty and ordered heart. Your love wants to do that in me. Your, the pleasure and delight of your love is going to cause you to be above all things in my life. And there's no risk in this love because he delights in our happiness. He's that good. There's no risk in opening our hands. <clears throat> so as we finish, how do we get this kind of life? Well, I'll tell you how you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it by striving. You're not going to get it by struggling. You're not going to get it by beating yourself up. You're not going to get it through shame and condemnation. 
You're not going to get it by being really hard and disciplined. You're going to get it through being with Jesus in, in an unhurried quiet, in a place of humility, where you recognise that he deeply loves you and he's doing a deep work in you. And even in the place of quietness and rest, you think you're wooing me, you're drawing me, you're doing something in me. I don't understand what you're doing, but you're doing something deep and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. I just want to set aside some time to be with you, to be quiet with you. It might be sometimes we worship, I worship and sing. It might be sometimes I'm quietly writing your heart and what you're saying down on paper. But most of all, I'm being with Holy Spirit who's doing a deep wooing work. We come to him recognising that we can't fabricate this kind of heart. It's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. We want to be these people, radical, liberated, free people who have Jesus as number one in everything and we walk with a beautiful delight and tranquility. It's a work of the Spirit. He wants to win over your affections. He wants to cause you to have a gentle feeling of being loved and liked and you loving and liking him back. He wants to win you over. He wants to gently open your hands. <coughs> he wants to do something in the deep part of who you are. And what we're going to do to finish is we're going to spend some, I don't know, a couple of minutes in silence with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. And what we're doing is we're recognising that, in silence we're recognising that Holy Spirit is the one who starts a furnace in our hearts. Amen. Yeah? He's the one. It's the work of the Spirit. And in silence we lay down all of our wrestle and struggle and understanding and we just recognise Holy Spirit in me is leading me to fall in love with Jesus all over again in a deeper way. So we're just going to spend a moment or two with him. Lord Jesus Christ, we were created for the enjoyment of spiritual beauty. Amen. We never find our home until we behold the beauty of God. We were made to be loved and we were made to love you back. 
we were made to enjoy the whole of life with you from the most mundane everyday things to the most life-changing radical moments we were made we were made to walk with you with all of them so we pray Lord Jesus that as we're here today with you I'm going to pray this for myself I'm not going to pray it for you but you can echo it if you want to ruin me with your love woo me with your love let me taste glimpse and see the passion of your heart let me taste and experience the passion of the father when he sent you Jesus let me feel and know the zeal the joy of Gethsemane where you drank that cup for me for the joy of me that was set before you let my heart experience the wonder of the cry from the cross it is finished what was finished Jesus everything so that we could be friends so that you could be righteous and holy and have uninterrupted communion with me order everything in my heart it's a joy to live a life worthy of your love Rise open my hands where you see other things have got in there and I'm holding on to them for dear life. Amen. Let me, Jesus, be a detached activist. And by that I mean passionate for the kingdom, courageously doing what I'm called to do, but somehow detached from holding on to any of it. So that in everything, ultimately, my pleasure is being known and knowing. Cause me to love the world with a compassion and a love that's supernatural, that goes beyond my own convenience. Let me see the ones who don't know you. Let me feel their quiet anguish. Let me understand the devastation that sin has had on our world and that you are the one who came to seek and to save the lost. That you patiently wait as the father for the prodigals to come home and you're like the woman sweeping the room to find the one coin. You're that passionate for the lost. Mm. Let me feel it. Let it mean something for me, Jesus. Mm. 
And I pray for us that you would multiply us. That wherever we go this week, that men and women might look and ask, what hope do you have? Why are you like you are? You're so different to me. You have different priorities. We trust your deep work, Spirit of God. We trust the one who leads us and guides us into all truth. We trust the one who gives us power from above to live radical, wonderful lives for Jesus. We look to you. We don't look to what we're not. We look to who you are and who you are in us. Mm. I'm just going to spend one moment more with him. That's not the only moment you can have a week. <laughs> have as many moments a week as you want. Ah, <laughs> Jesus. We love you. Jesus just says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And he says, I'm humble and I'm gentle in heart. You won't find a harsh taskmaster with Jesus. He's humble and gentle. He won't slap you. He'll woo you. Because that's his heart. Amen.